and he says, this almighty God, this ancient of days, he left a seed and that seed brought us salvation. If it wasn't for that, we would be like Sodom and Gomorrah. What happened at Sodom and Gomorrah? The whole city and all the people were destroyed by fire and brimstone that fell from heaven. Why? Because of pride, the city was destroyed. They were warned, they were warned, they were warned, they rebelled, they rebelled, they rebelled. And God said, no more. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. All right, we're going to jump right into Romans 9 from verse 1. And I believe that as we read these scriptures together today, that what you just saw will start making even more sense and get you even more encouraged. So Romans 9 from verse 1. This is Paul speaking quite emotionally. He says, I tell you the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren. That part in the New Living says, I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. My countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain, listen to this, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises of whom are the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, the eternally blessed God. Amen. That's just five verses. Can you hear the heart of Paul for his people? Remember again, he wrote this letter to a church that's divided between Jews and Gentiles. Jews and Gentiles are reading this together. He has shown these two groups that before God, they all are sinners in need of a Savior. Up until this point, he has said that to them. He has shown the Jews they need to stay away from legalism and the Gentiles that they need to stay away from license, taking grace in a negative direction, but that there is liberty in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit for both. Now in chapter 9, he laments the state of his own people, the Jewish people. He goes as far as to say that he would rather lose his own salvation if it would mean that they would be saved. Imagine saying that. Imagine feeling that way. We see that Paul's heart is breaking for his Jewish people and his nation. 
And we saw in the beginning of our series and in the video we just watched, at the beginning of this letter to the, to the Romans, Paul said way in the beginning, Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and for the Gentile or the Greek. Now, look how Jesus also prioritized the Jewish people. Matthew 10, from verse 5 to 8. Now, first of all, remember Jesus was a Jew. He did not have blonde hair and blue eyes and came from Scandinavia. Let's see what Jesus said. He said in Matthew 10, from verse 5 to 8, These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles. And do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And when a Canaanite woman came to him and asked that he would heal her daughter, he said to her, But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She kept on asking him. And they had a whole negotiation. He did end up healing her daughter. But he told her very straight and forward. And we would even have, imagine you heard that conversation between Jesus and a woman that's asking for him to heal her daughter. And you hear Jesus say, sorry, I'm not here for you. What would you think? How can you say that, Jesus? But he did, because his first priority, his first mission was for his own people. Now look at the special investments that Paul lists that God the Father made in the Israelites according to what we read here. He says, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises of whom are the fathers, Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came. So we get all of this out of what God has invested in the Jewish people. So it makes sense that the Father would send the Messiah to them first. He's invested all of these things into this people. It would make sense that he would bring the Messiah to them first to fulfill the Messianic prophecy. And to bring spiritual liberty to his chosen people. Can you see that? Throughout time, he has chosen them first. So it would make sense that because they have the promises, because they have the covenant, that they would receive the Messiah first. But apart from a Jew who believed as a whole, sorry, apart from a few who believed as a whole, the nation did reject Jesus Christ as their Messiah. And we saw that because they are the ones that crucified him. And this is what upsets Paul so deeply. He's like, look at what you've been given. You've given, been given all these things by the Father. He sent his son to you first, but you rejected him. And he laments what has happened to the Jewish people. Now remember as well, Paul was one of the main persecutors of the way of Jesus. Do you remember that? Do you know that about Paul? 
before he was converted, he was one of the Pharisees persecuting Christians. He was standing by as Stephen was being stoned to death for proclaiming the good news. He was keeping the clothes for people. Why? They took off their tunics so that they could stone more easily. He knew the scriptures. He had studied the messianic prophecies. And now Jesus had fulfilled them and his disciples were spreading the good news, but he was locking them up and killing them. But on his way to persecuting even more Christians, he had an encounter with Jesus himself on the way to Damascus. And it changed him immediately, forever. He immediately started preaching the gospel. He didn't wait. So much so that everyone around was, was this, wasn't this guy just recently killing us? Now he's preaching the same, what happened? <laughs> they couldn't like, cannot compute. Rerouting, rerouting, like what is happening here? <laughs> a radical encounter with Jesus changed him from being a Christian persecutor to a persecuted Christian. Thank you, babe. That's a good line. And being born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, the scriptures were suddenly illuminated to him like never before. And now he could see what his Jewish brothers were missing. Now that Paul was converted and he saw his Savior, he realized, as a Jew, I've been waiting for this Messiah. I I didn't realize it, but I see it now. And now when I see, now that I know this and I read the scriptures, it all makes sense. And he's going like, oh, can my brothers, my Jewish brothers just, just realize this as well? Because this is life. This is liberty. Can you hear that in his, in his, in his letter, in his heart? Can you hear that? Let us continue. Romans 9 from verse 6. But it's not that the word of God has taken no effect. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel. Huh? What? Lies moi. Nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. Note the word seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. But... The children of the promise are counted as seed, as the seed. I want to read it to you in the New Living as well. It says, well then, has God failed to fulfill his promise to Israel? No, for not all who are born into the nation of Israel are truly members of God's people. Being descendants of Abraham doesn't make them truly Abraham's children. For the scriptures say, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted, through Abraham, though Abram had other children too. This means that Abram's physical descendants are not necessarily children of God. Only the children of the promise are considered to be Abraham's children. Did you ever realize that? Ever read chapter 9 and got that revelation? 
So he says in the beginning, in, in this verse 6, he says, but it is not that the word of God has taken no effect. The New Living says God has not failed to fulfill his promises to Israel. What word, has, has no, what word is he referring to that, that he says has taken no effect? Or has not taken, ah, sorry. What word is he referring to that has not been um, stopped? It's the word, the promise. It's, it's all the things that pertain to Israel that he just listed. It's all these things, the adoption, the glory, the covenants, that whole list. It's all of that stuff. He's saying these things are what, are what pertain to them. And you may think that because I'm lamenting their, them not being saved, that these things have not come true. Are you with me? So what is the word that we can sum this all up with that is promised to them? Salvation. The salvation of the people of God. Has this word of salvation taken no effect? Has God failed to fulfill the promise to Israel of salvation? Paul says no. He says it hasn't been compromised. That he would be their God and they would be his people and have their word written on the tablets of their heart. This is the promises that we read in the Old Testament. Then he says that it is not God, sorry, then he says it's not that God has been unfaithful or untrustworthy. It's that not all who are physical descendants of Abraham are automatically part of the promise. So God is not unfaithful. God is not unworthy. He's clarifying that not, not just because you were a descendant, a physical descendant of Abraham, that doesn't make you part of the promise. Now, once again, I want to take your attention back to this is now a letter read by Jews and Gentiles in the same church. Only the children of the covenant promise are counted as, he uses the word, the seed. That's why we're talking about the one seed today. From verse 9, Paul describes how the descendants who came from Ishmael, so I'm not going to put all of those scriptures up. I'm going to summarize the next part. He says that from verse 9, we see Paul describing the descendants who came from Ishmael, the other son of Abraham. They are not children of the promise. But then maybe someone will say, yeah, but she was just a maidservant. We understand that Ishmael's line is not of the promise. But then he said, no, wait a minute. God also ordained something different with Jacob, Jacob and Esau. Jacob was the younger. The Bible says, in, in Paul says it as well, that God loved Jacob but hated Esau. The line from Esau is not part of the seed of the promise. And then he goes into a whole thing of how God is sovereign and that he decides the same way that a potter decides which vessel is for honor and which is for dishonor. He goes into a whole argument of that. Who will be used for what purpose? Then he challenges the argument that anyone might make that God is not fair. He's like, well, if God is sovereign and, and he's already decided, then you know what chance do I have? He said, who are you? As a pot, telling the potter how we should do things. Bringing you down to a place of submission. And he shows that God is actually fair and just in his way. Because his elect, his seed has always been by his will and his choosing. 
The Israelites did not become the chosen people of God because of anything that they did. It is not by merit. It's because God elected them. So because God could elect them, God can elect anyone else that he chooses. You understand that? That Paul is trying to get across? And he goes on to explain that God is very patient with people. He only darkens hearts that were already hardened against him. And he mentions the specific example of Pharaoh in, in, in Egypt. Because we read there something that might trouble you. It says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And you go, wait a minute, I thought we had free will. Yes, but before that moment, Pharaoh had multiple chances to soften his heart, and he didn't. And then like we read in Romans 1, once you've sinned and sinned and rebelled and did your own thing, God gave you up to your fleshly desires. And in the same way, God gave him up and just helped him along to be completely darkened, to be completely blinded, to be completely hard of heart. And in that, there's actually something we all need to be careful of in hardening our hearts and being rebellious against God. He has always given law to the proud and grace to the humble. And he specifically states that the principle applies both to Jew and Gentile. As you read this, this chapter 9, he says this applies to both of you groups. So every time he's challenging the one group, reading this letter, Jews and Gentiles, challenging the one and then at the same time challenge the other one. Because you can imagine being a Gentile, reading this with the Jews, you go, Woo, you guys are in trouble. And then Paul goes, no, wait a minute, don't you get prideful. It's a, it's a letter that brings them into unity of how God sees them. Can we see that? Let's pick it up in verse 25. We're going to drop all the way down to verse 25. And he says, also in Hosea, and he's now referring to the Gentiles, I will call them my people who were not my people, and her beloved who was not beloved. Wow. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people. There they shall be called sons of the living God. Now this term sons is very important because that is how he refers to the Israel people. The, the Jews are referred to as the sons of God, the sons of promise. Now he's using the same term and referring to the old scriptures and saying he was actually, he was talking about Gentiles. Now, as a Gentile, you're encouraged. As a Jew, you're challenged. Isaiah also cries out, as we keep reading, Isaiah also cries out concerning Israel. Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, the remnant will be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. Verse 29. And as Isaiah said before, unless the Lord of Sabaoth, in the other translations it says the Lord of the heavens of hosts armies, unless he has left us a seed, we would have become like Sodom and we would have been like Gomorrah. What shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith. 
but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Yo. Go read chapter 9 at home over and over. It's really powerful. Now, Paul is making reference to God's amazing power and might and awe when he refers to him here as the one who reigns over heaven's armies. Just, just try to use your imagination. Ask Holy Spirit, just give me a glimpse. What does it look like in heaven when the king of kings is sitting there reigning over the heaven's host, millions of angels? Just, just try to picture that. Just try it. Let, it. let it overwhelm you. Let it blow your mind. Because Paul is referring to God in this way for a very specific reason. He wants you to take a moment and just stand in awe of this mighty God. And he says, this almighty God, this ancient of days, he left a seed, and that seed brought us salvation. If it wasn't for that, we would be like Sodom and Gomorrah. What happened at Sodom and Gomorrah? The whole city and all the people were destroyed by fire and brimstone that fell from heaven. Why? Because of pride Sexual immorality and homosexual practices. The city was destroyed. They were warned, they were warned, they were warned, they rebelled, they rebelled, they rebelled. And God said, no more. Enough. But a small remnant was saved. Can you see the pattern of God? Because Abram, the one who God made the first covenant with, had negotiated with God to save a few righteous people. There's this whole long negotiation where Abram says, if there's 100 righteous people, will you save the city? If there's 50 righteous people, will you save the city? If there's this many, if there's this many. And they could find none except Lot. And then Paul drops a truth bomb. That must have been really hard to swallow for the Jews. He's saying, dear Roman church members, you need to know that the Gentiles who did not pursue the righteousness of God, which we call the one standard, they've been given access to it through the one way, faith. And the Jews have missed God's righteousness because although they did pursue it, they tried to attain it by works of the law instead of seeking it by faith. This must have been hard for this church to hear. And why did they do this? Because they stumbled at the stumbling stone. Why did, why did the Jews miss it? Because God put a stumbling stone, a rock of offense in Jerusalem, which was also predicted and prophesied. And the Jews read that, they've got it in the scriptures, but when this rock of offense and the stumbling stone rocked up in Jerusalem, they didn't recognize him. 
They didn't even recognize that he is the stumbling stone, that they are taking offense for this rock that was predicted, that was prophesied. Paul realizes this and he's like going, wake up. Who is this rock? It is, of course, the captain of our salvation, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the son of the ruler of the hosts of heaven's armies, the one who took all the sins of the world on himself and defeated death and the grave and Satan and rose and ascended to the right hand of the Father from where he prepares a place for us, the elect, for us, the seed, for us, the promised ones, and intercedes for us. Paul ends this part by saying, whoever believes on this rock, on him, on Jesus, will not be put to shame. What is the implication? That you only stumble over Jesus or are offended by him if you do not believe in who he is and what he has done. If you don't, if you don't, you will stumble. If you don't believe in Jesus, you will stumble. You will take offense by his name and by his will. But the promise at the same time is that those who are not stumbling over Jesus, those who are not offended by him, they will be saved. They will be part of the seed. This is so powerful. Now I want to show you something from Scripture and just how beautiful the rest of Scripture, the rest of the Word, the rest of Jesus links up with what Paul is saying about the seed. Are you ready? We're going to take it all the way back to Genesis 3.15. This is, the, this is God addressing the serpent, serpent. This is God addressing the serpent after the fall. He says to the serpent, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her capital S, seed, he, capital H, shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Who is that referring to? Who is the capital S, seed, that would come from the woman? It's Jesus. God is prophesying, he is giving the serpent, exactly what will happen to him all the way back in the beginning. Let's jump to Psalm 105, verse 6. Listen to this phrasing. O seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He's talking about the promise. Remember how Paul said that you can't look at all the physical descendants, you have to look at the descendants of the promise. Who got covenants? Abraham and then Jacob. The covenant was renewed with Jacob. So those who come from that line are the chosen ones. Romans 4 verse 13. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, making it very clear. This is going back in Romans. We've already read this. But Paul is already there establishing that the, the, the heir of the world was not to Abram or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. He's saying it again. He's trying to remind the Jews, you cannot stand on the fact that you, were, you received the law 
and try to live up to that because you cannot. You have to receive the promises of God and who Jesus is by faith. Galatians 3.16, same Paul writing to the Galatians, he says, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, plural, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. Christ is the seed, and to have access to the promise that is there for the seed of, of Abraham, the, the, not the physical, but the spiritual seed, we need Christ because he is the seed. This is confirmed in so many places in Scripture. Galatians 3, 29. And if you are Christ's, how many of you are Christ's? How many of you belong to Christ? Are we going to have a big altar call today? How many of you are Christ's? How many of you are actually excited about it? We're going to have a big altar call today. If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is huge. This is huge. Can you see how it all connects? 1 Peter 1 verse 23. Having been born again. I'm going to try this again. How many of you are born again? Listen to this. You were born again not of something but of something else. Not of corruptible seed but incorruptible through what? The word of God, which lives and abides forever. Do you know that in the parable of the sower, when Jesus explains the parable to his disciples, he says that the seed is the word of God. And now we read here, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through what? How did we become incorruptible seed? through the word of God that was preached. And when we receive the seed, the word of God, who is Jesus himself, then we step into that thing. We go from being corrupted to being incorruptible through the incorruptible seed that is Jesus, the rock of offense, the stumbling stone to some, but to us, he is the life. He is he is Christ. He is the one who, who gives us all that we need. He's the one that sets us free from the stuff of this world. He is the Christ, the Messiah to the Jew and the Gentile. Can we see that? Wow. We're going to take a time to reflect and respond on these words. Can we stand together in the presence of our Lord and Savior? as we think about these things that we have just read, because this is so powerful. May we be a people that do not try to impress God with our works. May we be a people that are not self-righteous. May we be a people that are humble before our God, that recognize who Jesus really is, what he has done, and that through him and by him is the only way to liberty. See, the beautiful thing is 
what we read about God's sovereignty and His election is that if you stand here today and you hear the Word of God and it cuts to the heart and you respond, you become a part of that elect. You become a part of the promise. You become a part of what God has planned all along. He did provide it for His people, the Jews, first. And He's waiting for them to get it. And we saw that there are people working very hard to reach them. But as we'll see in the chapters coming up, Paul also describes that there's a reason why there's a waiting period. God is patient with the Jews because He's giving time for the Gentiles to come to Christ. He's giving us time. But time is running out. So I want to make an invitation today. If you're here today and you have never given your life to Christ, you've never decided to follow this Messiah, the Son of God, the one who came to give us life and life in abundance. If you've never made a decision to follow Him, Will you please be so bold as you just lift up your hand and say, yes, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Anyone here today? See, earlier I asked who's born again, and I asked who serves Jesus, and not all the hands went up. We're going to do an altar call for introverts just now. Get you baptized in extrovertedness. I'm kidding. But on a serious note, anyone, I, I don't want you to pass this opportunity up. If you just try, please don't leave this place without making this decision today. Those of us who love Jesus and who follow Him, if there's anything in you today, that when you look at Jesus, think of Jesus as you are growing in Him, walking with Him, if there's anything that causes you to stumble, that causes you to take offense in some way, will you just close your eyes and come to Jesus in this moment and say, I repent. I repent that in any way I have been offended by you as a rock or that I've stumbled because of you as a stone. I'm sorry, Jesus just because I don't understand and just because some things are a mystery it doesn't mean that, that my will is more important so make a decision today as we sang today as well Lord have your way Lord have your way you are sovereign you are king I am just the pot and you are the potter and today I recommit my life to you to do as you will in my life because of Lord, your word says, if I do not stumble and if I do not take offense, I will never be put to shame. And I want to be there. I want to be there. I want to be in that place. If that's you, just take a moment and pray that to Jesus in your own words. Repent where necessary. Come into the fullness of what he has for you and say, Jesus, here I am. All of me for all of you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.
Thank you, Jesus. I'd like to take a moment and pray for our Jewish brothers and sisters. And if, on that note, if there's anyone here or maybe even online that is Jewish and you've heard this and it cuts to the heart and you want to give your life to Christ, please contact us or come to the front. I'd love to speak to you. How great would it be? And when I, when I was in Israel, the, the most amazing thing that, that as a Gentile I didn't understand, but I had to learn, is that Jewish people do not convert when they get saved. They actually step into the fullness of who they are as the Jewish people. They step into relationship with their Messiah. So you don't talk about a Jewish person who has known Christ, who's come to Christ as a convert. They just step into the fullness of what was available to them. So if there are any Jewish people listening, and this has touched your heart, please contact us. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church podcast, Message of the Week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.